Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Hey friends, welcome to Working in Yoga. This week, I have the amazing Rada Rahman on the show, and she and I talk all about what it is to be asked to work for the exposure. Now, I'm betting if you are part of the yoga industry at least once, if not a dozen times, somebody has asked you to teach a yoga class for the exposure. We talk about why that's not okay, the attitude of giving and not rocking the boat, and so much more. Now, Rauda started a petition to encourage the U.S. Whitewater Center near where she lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, to pay their yoga teachers because they currently are not paying their yoga teachers. And we both think that they could. So listen to the podcast. Listen to Rauda's amazing gems as she chats with me. And then I have a call to action for you at the end of the program of what you can do to help Rauda and her friends get paid from the U.S. Whitewater Center. I'll catch you on the other side. Welcome to Working in Yoga, friends. I am so excited for this conversation. This is a really important topic that I'm really passionate about, and I found a new best friend who is going to talk to me all about what she thinks on this. We are going to talk this week about yoga teachers working for the exposure versus getting paid like an actual profession. So I am so thrilled to introduce Rauda Rahman to our podcast. Rauda, tell us about yourself, please. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Rebecca, for uh, introducing me. And you enunciated my name so well. I really appreciate that. You know, like Rebecca said, my name is Rauda Rahman. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. I am a cisgender person in an able body, in a female uh, identified able body. I originate, grew up in Singapore and then was raised in Malaysia before I moved here um, to the U.S., uh, where I really got my start uh, in, in practicing yoga and in, in teaching yoga. So I'll talk about that in a bit as well. I was socialized as an upper middle class person. Um, 
So I have that privilege as well. I'm also an immigrant, did not think I was going to be here uh, for this long. So I thought it was temporary. Uh, One thing led to another. Uh, I am now, you know, married to a male identified uh, body, a cisgender person. His name is Charles. I've never really shouted him out in a in so publicly in a podcast. <laughs> Hi, Charles. <laughs> Hi, Charles. Um, so yeah, so that is those are some of my identities, and I probably haven't mentioned um, other ones um, as well. So that's who I am uh, and how I show up in in this world, and how I got started with yoga was really interesting because I graduated with a degree in genetics and I stayed in the sciences because it gave me access to get a work visa. You know, I, growing up, I wanted to do all things creative, but that wasn't going to, at least that's what culture was telling me was not going to push me forward. So I studied the sciences. I came to the U.S. for genetics. And because of all of that, to cut this long story short, uh, I then started working for um, a joint study between Duke University and the VA on the effects of uh, DBT therapy on post-traumatic stress disorder in a clinical setting. So I was uh, talking to you know uh, patients every single day, and I was actually walking them through breathing exercises. So I would tell them breathe in for five, and then breathe in for breathing out for five. So I would do that right because it's a study that's published. Like if you do that ten times, you could see a difference. So I ran that study along with other phenomenal, phenomenal people. And that's when I realized, I was already practicing yoga at this point. And that's when I realized, ah, on the computer screen, this works. (laughs) You know, I see data for this. Of course, my able-bodied mind and my neurotypical mind likes to think in that, uh, you know, things in that way, right? So when I saw that, then I started looking. I started looking for places to um, to take teacher training because I was already practicing. And that's how I, you know, got started with learning more and studying more about, um, about yoga. And what, you know, with, I think I, I, I really enjoy learning everything that yoga has to offer. So I continued then, you know, I taught for a while. I helped uh, manage a studio and ran a couple of trainings. Um, And then that led me to realizing that I needed to learn more. So then I started taking my 300 hour uh, yoga training. And now I am in a mentorship actually with Michelle Cassandra Johnson uh, so I'm really, yeah, I, I know we all, we all love Michelle. <laughs> all what love is not Michelle. to love? I know. I know. So I'm really fortunate that I've uh, been able to, uh, study with her. And another teacher that I also want to, um, shout out here is Keisha Battles. Uh, Keisha is also another teacher of mine. Uh, and I, you know, I learned so much by working, working with her and being a part of uh, that community of I am, I am yoga here in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I just want to make sure I acknowledge uh, the teachers that I've, that I've learned from uh, before we, before we get started. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. 
I am going to shift conversation just a little bit because I approached you to come talk with me about working for the exposure because you have done a lot of work recently surrounding yoga teachers not getting paid at the U.S. Whitewater Center, which is, from what I can tell, near you Mm -hmm. in in your community. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, and I'll start with... The U.S. National Whitewater Center is a nonprofit uh, organization um, here in the land of Catawba and Sugary, now known as Charlotte, North Carolina. So from where I am, uh, they're about 20 minutes uh, away from like the, the city, the main city. And I started this petition, uh, you know, to, uh, that says pay your yoga teachers at the U- U.S. Whitewater Center. And I want to be really transparent about this too. I am not teaching. Like I'm not teaching for them. I have never been approached to teach for them um, because it was never in, in, never really was in my radar that they were doing this, right? I am also part of the Yoga Coalition of Equality Charlotte. So we have meetings uh, that we talk about. And I was telling this group of organizers, say, oh, I'm going to teach at... I'm going to teach yoga uh, at this museum at this date. And they're like, oh, we can't come because we are teaching for the Whitewater Center. I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then they said, um, actually, they're not paying us. I was in shock because I've been to the Whitewater Center. And for listeners that, uh, that, that have not been to the Whitewater Center or maybe looked it up, uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about the setting of the Whitewater Center. Um, so it's for people that enjoy the outdoors and enjoy the nature. It started off as a place where um, they would practice whitewater rafting. And it was really an Olympic place to, to do that. And because of that, you know, that wasn't generating much, much income, right, as a training facility. Uh, so they opened this facility. So there's zip lining, there's um, whitewater rafting, there's puddle boarding, there's all of these things. Uh, so very much into like wellness and like outdoor health and, and things like that. So I just wanted to give people the visual setting of what the space is. So it's, it's, it's outdoors. And since they've opened, uh, they have actually created, created or start to put together um, yoga classes um, that are every day. Uh, So that's one of the element. And then they realize, oh, people are coming to this yoga classes, right? So then they uh, have this thing called Flow Festival. So Flow Festival is a way I really got started knowing that teachers weren't getting paid because, uh, because of this Flow Festival. The festival is free but you have to pay for parking. So you enter the facility, uh, you pay $5 to enter the facility. You can enter the, you can go in and take your yoga classes for free. Um, but if you want to do all the other activities or eat for that matter, you, you'll have to pay, you know, to, to, to have your uh, needs met. And this flow festival brings in so many people. So many. That's not the only festival they run. They have a tuck fest, uh, which has like music. So they have like musicians come in to to play for the tuck fest. So I'm 
uh, just giving people kind of like a backdrop as to what they host, right? So when I found out that teachers, and this are teachers with so much experience, we're talking decades of experience of yoga, um, that are teaching uh, for free. And a lot of times I think as a yoga teacher, you know, I, I want to speak from I, that I always feel, oh, I want to do this for, you know, for, for my people and do this for the community. For the community. Right? Yep. <laughs> we're just so, we're so giving, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. So I don't want to take that away from anyone. Like it's good. That's why we're in this. And that's the reason I think why this practice, right. This, this, this practice of staying in line or, you know, staying in, being okay with like not getting paid, doing it out of the kindness of, of your heart for the exposure of it. And then organizations, big industries like this, big corporations like this, big nonprofits like this, then take advantage of the kindness of our heart. And I'd like to term that exploitation, like that, that that's what they're yes. doing. Um, yes. They're exploiting yoga teachers. And you know this, because they pay musicians Ooh. for for the festival and i also know this because they mention and share it to the teachers right that oh you you'll get exposure to to many different people because hundreds of people come you might get exposure you know from people who've never been to your studio been have taken your classes right so it sounds like it's it's good it sounds like it's such a big deal because they might convert and become like your students you know and the problem the problem with that the problem with that is First, the place is 20 minutes away, not even close to a lot of yoga studios. So there really isn't any conversion. I would say maybe some, but I'm I'm also curious about the sustainability of like people that are coming and then and then taking classes. So let's talk about that first. And then second, if it was really about exposure, right? If it was really about that, the truth of the matter is the teachers are not even being promoted. On their social media, the teachers are not even being promoted on a newsletter. And in fact, the teachers had to really push for the names to be on the website next to their classes. That's crazy. I mean, so one thing I want to say first for anybody listening that maybe has someone else who pays their bills or is unaware, we can't pay our bills with exposure. I'm going to say that right now. Nobody pays their rent or buys food. My kids aren't going to the stuff that my kids need to go to for any exposure that anybody gives me or any other teacher on the planet, like ever. Mm -hmm. And for many of us, this is our job. Like, and I've said this on other episodes of this podcast that this is, this is my job. I do this as a living. I don't have a side hustle at all. My my main hustle is yoga. I get paid in all those ways. And even if it was my side hustle, my time is valuable. My skill set is valuable. My expertise is valuable. And free work can be for something you can learn in a weekend. You can't learn how to teach yoga skillfully in a weekend. Like we spend thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours. Like you said you were getting your 500 hour teacher training. Just in training, you've spent 500 
plus hours because now you have a mentorship and somebody's going to tell you that's not valuable. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not okay. And that's, that's something that we, we, we say, and we, we hear all the time, right? Exposure doesn't, doesn't pay the bills and it really, it really doesn't. And the question I always have for people is, especially for a facility like this is if I had to go to school, you know, for marketing, let's just use, you know, something completely opposite than than yoga, right? Something neutral. If I go into school for marketing and someone asks me, hey, could you market for my business for free? Like, what would you say? (laughs) I mean, who would? Nobody asked your dentist for free teeth cleanings either. Exactly. And that's something I feel like the yoga world is like, frictioning against it's like we if you are teaching yoga for a living or even if you're doing it on the side teaching yoga is a profession it's a gift how many students take your class and after class say oh that was so great um you know i feel better after class i can focus more at work you know i can you know cater to my uh to to my life. I know when to take rest when needed, right? There's so many benefits of the practice of yoga. You're making a difference in someone's life. Maybe the difference can't be seen, but the difference is felt. And sometimes the difference is quantified. There's so much research out there, like the research that you were doing, where, I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of studies about the benefit of yoga and mindfulness and meditation and all the aspects that we are teaching in our classes. Mm -hmm. I mean, 20, 30 years ago, those teachers were talking about the benefits and just saying, but I swear it's good. Now I'm like, no, no, here are all of these major institutions who have also proven me right. Mm -hmm. Like we know the benefits of what we do and you're right. Teaching yoga is a profession. Now, we butt up against this a lot in our industry. We have some big names and big organizations who have come out publicly saying that yoga is not a profession. Yoga Alliance, I'm looking at you. Um, You have said in the past publicly that people should not look at yoga as a profession. I'm saying if there are $44 billion in this industry, you mean to tell me that I can't look at my job as a profession? No, no. (laughs) Mm, mm. yeah I want to talk a little bit about that you brought up a really good point right because you hear this a lot and I also watch a lot of Shark Tank Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so people say you know people say yoga is a you know multi-billion dollar industry right and then this is really important to look at because if we're looking at an industry right we're looking at institutions what like the institutions that make up the industry so if it is a billion, multi-billion dollar industry and you're saying that yoga is not a profession, then who is getting this chunk of the billion dollar industry is what I want to know, right? And clearly it's the corporations. It is yep. you know, the, the people that have the access to all of these resources, specifically financial resources right, right now, right? The venture capital fir- uh, firms, the private equity firms, right? That are funding this, this studios. They are getting the billion dollar chunk of the industry. So what happens to the nonprofit studios? You know, what happens to individual yoga teachers? 
what happens to, you know, BIPOC specific uh, yoga spaces, right? Yes. Um, we're getting crumbs. Correct. So the question that you asked, I think is a really important one. And I've been myself trying to dig out where the money in our industry goes. So I will give you an idea. One billion with a B of those dollars goes to one company that manufactures pants. And you know what company that is. We all know what company it is. We all have their cute little swoopy thing on the pants. You know, you know, one billion is to the pants people of one company. So a ton of our money is in people who are making accessories for the jobs and experiences that we're facilitating. So part of why they can do that is because many of us don't see this as a job that we need to fight for. Mm. And we have a hard time separating the fact that yoga is a spiritual practice that is life-changing and changed my life. I will say that all day. That spiritual practice is different than the industry in which we run our businesses. And I can look at the, the spiritual practice and say, this practice is amazing and perfect, and I never want to change anything about it because thank goodness it's here. But also know that I don't live in a culture where people will just come and bring food to my door in order for me to feed my family. So I also need to run a business. And that business is where industrialization and appropriation come in. And we can shift that by actually sitting in the driver's seat of our business instead of sitting in the passenger seat and oftentimes in the dang back seat of a car that's driven by people who are not even practitioners but are making money off our mats and our pants and our props and our incense and our namaste in bed t-shirts. Like that's where a ton of our money is. Yeah, you brought up... You, you brought up a really good point. Thank you for sharing, sharing that fact too, right? Of the, the, the complementary industries of besides like the studios, you know, there, there are other, other parts of it too. And something that you brought, you mentioned made me think about this. And this is something I share in when I'm, when I'm talking about the business of yoga in some teacher training spaces is we need to understand that when we, sometimes we need to know that when we're talking about yoga, are we talking about yoga as a culture? Or are we talking about yoga as an industry? And I also want to share with people that are listening that yoga is not my lineage, right? right. So really by yoga being an industry, you've kind of alluded to it earlier, it's already an appropriation of yoga as a culture. Right. And in fact, the culture where yoga is uh, where yoga is from, you know, all, all the South Asian teachers, are they getting this chunk of this yoga industry? Correct. My answer is probably no. No. Right. Uh, and that shows on an economic standpoint of like the appropriation of yoga and industrialization of yoga. Right. Uh, and the branding um, of yoga, uh, of yoga as well. So when, when we talk about this as yoga teachers, there is the responsibility, and you you mentioned it so, you articulated it so, so well, is yoga as a culture teaches us 
this, 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 and this. So we have to be really clear. What are the yamas and niyamas? How are we practicing it, right? And how do we practice yoga as a culture if we're taking this as a profession? And what that means is that how are we dismantling the industries that we're in if we're practicing yoga as a culture? Yes. I've been participating in and watching this conversation happen online for us in the yoga community for several years, five, six years now. It's re- it really, I think, sort of came to the forefront in 2015, 2016. People really started talking about this. And oftentimes the solutions that I've heard people say were one of two things. One is, well, we all need to roll up our mats and go home because we can't participate in this. And two, that's what life is in the West. And we have to accept that this is what we're doing and just roll with it. And honestly, I think we can offer a third way. I think we can choose to build an industry that we are all proud of. It doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight, but we have to have language and conscious awareness to make the choices to be better. Yeah. We can take back some of the money. I believe we can take some of the money in our industry and redistribute the wealth to the people who don't have it. But mm-hmm. we have to make that as a constant conscious choice because that just doesn't happen by accident. It, all this money is in a system that is designed for women, BIPOC folks, folks who are in the LGBTQ plus community. It is designed for us all to fail. And that is the vast majority of us. So let's just take our money back. Mm. 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 Yeah, you mentioned something so important, like the redistribution of it and the element of time, right? The element of this takes time. And not only does it take time, it takes everyone. Yes. You know, it takes everyone, especially folks uh, that are closer to the proximity uh, of, of power, right? If you know that you have identities that are closer to power, people listen. And when people listen... Yes. People are ignited to create uh, to create change. And you mentioned the word participate. You know, we hear in yoga all the time, right? Take right action. You know, people have to take not just right action, take right action, and then take the right effort of participating, right? What does that look like to you? Because I've seen the imagery that you laid out, I was like, just roll up, just roll up my mat and then call it a day. Mm-hmm. When we created this petition and you see it in other places too, but I'm going to use the petition as an example. When we created this petition, you know, there were many types of responses. Fortunately, there were a lot of responses that were like, oh my gosh, yes, yoga teachers, you might get paid. I'm going to sign this petition. But there were some responses, you know, that were, let's just not go to the Whitewater Center, okay? Let's just not support them. And I, I, agree, I, I agree with that in a way where like, I don't want to support them because that's, that's where, that's, I don't want to support them because I don't want to financially contribute to that, right? Uh, so I'm going to step away because my money talks. But how would it look like if, we communicated with them as a participant, as a customer, right? That this is not what we stand for, right? Because a business is made up of so many, so many things, right? The person who's offering the service, the person who's receiving the service. I think we forget sometimes that we have agency because toxic culture wants us to think that, right? It wants us to like, 
hide and it's socialized. It's the culture has socialized yoga teachers, the industry has socialized yoga teachers to think that should always be nice. Yes. You can always only show pictures of puppies doing poses because you don't want to rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. Don't do yes. that. Right. We've socialized in that way. So we continue to operate in some scar of like, do not rock the boat. Then we don't change. Yes. I, you put that really well because how you illustrated the fact that action and you, you can't take action by taking inaction. You can't just decide, well, I'm not going to do this and then expect change to happen. Change is a choice. Change is, we, we change on our feet. We don't change in our seats. So we, you have to be making that choice to change and then to support other people in their changing because it's uncomfortable and it's difficult. And, and all of this means that every time somebody like me comes on and says, you need to pay yourself or somebody like you comes on and says, it's not okay for a major, major space to not pay their yoga teachers, but to pay their DJs or to pay their musicians. That's not okay. That also means that everybody listening to that and all you out there listening to this needs to unpack your attitudes around money, industrialism, and industry, in our industry. And that's hard work because it makes me uncomfortable and I'm doing it on the regular. (laughs) And something that you mentioned too is support people in the change. I love how you'd like articulated. I'm going to listen and like, look for that. Cause I like want to pull it out as a, as a quote and support the people. And I'm so thankful for the people in the coalition, you know, shout out to the yoga coalition of equality, Charlotte. So I want to name them, you know, Jameis, Grace, Vivian, and Courtney for, for supporting and I think also knowing that like you have people that that will that will support the message and support the change. Uh, and even if you do not know anyone, right, even if you think you're the only person, I can guarantee you. And this is something that Michelle Cassandra Johnson has reminded us of is that you're never alone. You have your ancestors with you. You have, you know, your family, uh, you know, with you. You have the wisdom of like your own experience, right? The wisdom of people that have come before you. Uh, so you're never alone because people are there. People are there and people are looking for, and normally what I hear is that, oh, I've always wanted to say this, right? Uh, <laughs> and that is like a really great affirmation because it means people have already been thinking about it. And then now I think yoga teachers are in this place where they're like at the at the cusp of of this of this cycle and they they want to they want to change they they want to change something even in the smaller space that they're that they're that they are in but sometimes some people are not given the tools because the culture that they are the the culture that they're in within within the smaller studios um but you also have to look right that's also the right effort look for the people that will support you through this change and with any with any change you'll have some people you know that will fight you back you know what what you what you believe in right and when that happens that's why we have yoga as as a as a practice yes yes right? we have the bandwidth <laughs> 
to, to hold all of that and to be really clear that this is not just like, I'm doing this because it is, you know, it is serving me. If you have the bandwidth to hold all like the emotions that the human experience carries when you're trying to incite change is that the practice can, can hold all of that, right? Whether it's through movement, whether it's through practice, whether it's through service, like the, the practice can, can hold all of that. Just give it a chance to do that. Ooh, yes. Yes. There's more I want to talk about, but I almost want to end it right there because that's a really good quote. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, give it a chance. your practice can nourish you and you know what you're going to walk into your yoga studio or your sacred spaces and without even thinking about it there'll be 10 other people there who want to support you Mm -hmm. always I mean yoga people are good humans supportive humans and we can support those and of course not everybody of course not everybody but on the on the whole yoga humans are good people and we if we give each other the tools, if we share the tools that we have with other people to create a nourishing environment for all of us, I think change is inevitable. It will just happen. Yeah. We'll, we can all do a little bit and create a lot of change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned the the amount of people uh, and this is something that we've talked about too in the um, in the mentorship. And if an- anyone listening, you know, does not know of the work of Michelle Johnson, like I highly encourage you all to, you know, to learn from Michelle by books because it really gives you an understanding of the capacity of this of of this practice. Totally agree. And start small. You know, start small. Even if you just meet like that one person next to your yoga mat, right? Yeah. Like start there. Um, and then time is like your, your, your factor. Then that, that person will invite another person and that person will invite another person. And then slowly you start to realize that there, there are people that there are numbers in, 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 in your favor. And I don't know if we're ending now because something that I thought of also is something that I want to share with, with, with the teachers or any, any creators for that matter, if someone is asking you for exposure or sometimes people name it as trade, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't want to leave people with something tangible is if people are offering that and you're currently running the cycle of like, Oh, I'm doing this out of the kindness of my heart, or, you know, I cannot rock the boat. Try this on. And that practice is to ask like, is there a reason why you can't pay me? Or what are my choices? You know, yes. how can I, how can we work this out so that I am feeling nourished from this, from, from this relationship that we're having come up with like something that works for you because more often than not, if you are in this feel of teaching yoga, you'll probably have come across this question many times of like, can you teach for free? Uh, So I encourage people to come up with a reply that's in a form of a question, keeping them accountable. Yes. And put that note in your phone. So you have it with you. And if you're flabbergasted because you can't believe that so-and-so asked you to teach for free, 
Just be, hold on a sec, let me check my calendar and pull that reply up on your phone and say exactly what you said. Is there a reason why I can't get paid for this? Is there, hold them accountable for their work. And let me give you one small piece of action to do because we talked about creating action to shift change. I'm going to shift us back to the U.S. Whitewater Center for a moment. Mm -hmm. And before this podcast, I got really excited because I got in a black hole of research about the U.S. Whitewater Center is a 501c3. I also run a 501c3. So once you know the lingo, it's easy to go, well, where's their money coming from? So if you go on to their website, they have two major funders. One is the government and the other one is the company Subaru. Now, I drive a Subaru, so I'm invested. I, I am and I'm a typical Subaru driver. I'm like the Subaru driver who's like looking at other Subaru drivers like, hey, I see you. We're probably outdoorsy a little bit, maybe a little bit more liberal in our thinking. Hey, hey. <laughs> So I went on Subaru's website and I pulled up their mission statement. And the first sentence of their mission statement references technology and providing customers with distinctive products. But here's their second sentence. We will aim to continuously promote harmony between people, society, and the environment while contributing to the prosperity of society. So let me read that last phrase again while contributing to the prosperity of society. That is Subaru's mission statement. The U.S. Whitewater Center is taking money from Subaru. So in the show notes, I will give you an email address. I will find the right email address. I want you to email Subaru and tell them what's going on. And I want you to tell them that you think that yoga is a profession and that yoga teachers deserve to be paid for the fair and skilled work that they do. One email, you can make it ranty, you can make it not ranty, whatever you want. Tell them you believe yoga teachers should be paid at the US White One or Setter. There's your one piece of action for the day. I don't know if you can hear my silent clap. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Yes, yes. I can't wait. So, to, to do that. So before we go, will you give us a self-care tip? Oh, yes, I can. Uh, one of my biggest self-care tips is, this is going to sound really gross or really great, uh, but it's to take a shower. <laughs> oh, I love showers. Yes. <laughs> is to take a shower. I work from home. Uh, so sometimes that can easily be kind of like pushed away, but whenever I'm feeling kind of down, I'm also a sun and cancer and my ancestry is from a long line of fishermen. So like, we're like with the water, you know, uh, so water is very healing for me. Um, and jump into a shower and almost every time I step out, I'm like, oh, I feel better. So shower. <laughs> That's a good one. I totally do that too. Rhoda, tell everybody where to find you. You can find me. So on Instagram is uh, at R-A-U-D-H-A-H dot R-A-H-M-A-N. Uh, that's my Instagram handle. You can also uh, email me at hey at my full name, RaudaRahman.com. And my website is RaudaRahman.com. 
Those are the many ways. I probably wouldn't give up my personal phone number, but <laughs> maybe if I know you for a little while, we can chat. <laughs> Honestly, y'all should definitely go check out our website because one of the things Rauda does is she designs websites and they are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Very, very beautiful. So thank you, Rauda, so much for coming on and talking about this. It's such an important conversation. Y'all go email Subaru. Show notes. It will be there, I promise. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Rauda. That was such a fun conversation. And for such a serious topic of teachers asking to get paid in exposure, we had fun. We talked about a lot of important topics. And please, if you're still with us, email Subaru and tell them that the U.S. Whitewater Center that takes money from them isn't in alignment with their mission statement. Now, next week... I am talking all things deconstruction with Dr. Katie Blake. She and I are talking about deconstructing the yoga community. And her expertise, besides in yoga, is deconstructing in spiritual spaces. So she is going to talk to us about deconstruction. And I am so excited and kind of nervous. So stay tuned. I'll catch you next time.